Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Bradford. Welcome. <laughs> Bro. Did you hurt your shoulder? Yeah, my left shoulder's Golly. Ah, more push-ups later. I did get the 200 this week. That's, you know, that's pretty badass. Have you run yet, Jeremy? Nope. How's the Achilles? I don't know. It's not perfect, that's for sure. Sometimes I notice it, sometimes I don't. When do you, when do you, how long until you think you can run again? Probably or more importantly, how long until you see a doctor? I don't know, Brad. Probably a year before I can run. And what, then. What advice, if somebody was having the same ailments as you, what would you be telling them? Speaking of the devil, I'll be right back. To ice it. Speaking to of the Google, devil. Take inflammation anti-stuff to make sure that the inflammation goes away. Um, yeah, this. This is what is known as a freezer sleeve. It's a just freeze. a freeze. Just a, just a freeze sleeve. The freeze sleeve. It's not free. It's freeze. Uh, I would take some anti-inflammatories, which I have been doing. I would rest, which I have been doing. And if it doesn't go away in a year, then I would go to the doctor. That's what advice <laughs> you'd be giving people. Well, I only say that just because that's the advice I'm taking right now. <laughs> but genuinely, what <laughs> advice would you be giving somebody? I mean, I would go to the doctor and see what kind of like possible physical therapy needs to be involved in this. I know, Brad. I, I truly don't have the time. What what you, you do all day today? Um. Well, we started working on our house as we got a new kitten. Yeah, I called you earlier. You were at a friend's house. Well, that's true. I you can't look. You have to let yourself here. Go away. Um. You have to give yourself some some leeway here. You can't just like live life by doing nothing. Do you know who else is dealing with the Achilles trouble? The wet towel, Galen Rupp? No. I meant to say wet blanket. I knew it wasn't right, but he's still wet. He's just a wet towel because he's a small guy. I still don't like him. He's just like, he gets damp and moldy, and I just wouldn't want to have anything to do with him. So are you going to ask? What does this have to do with who has an injured Achilles? I just assumed that you were going to say Galen Rupp. And <laughs> now they're going to miss World Indoor Championships. Who? Jakob Ingerprechen? He's out. Like straight out? I thought out. you were going to say Parker Valby. She's been cross-training too much. I Maybe. know somebody who hasn't been cross-training too much. <laughs> this guy right here. Dude, I know. I know. I know. I always have these excuses. I don't have time. And I I mean, right now, it's super busy with, with uh, college counseling. So I do have a lot of obligations to, like, after school and stuff. Um, so. Look. That's me playing. Can, can, I, can, I, can I be truly honest? Hold on. Let me think about it. Can Jeremy Clover be truly honest? I think it's up for debate. <laughs> I well, mean, well, I'm depressed. You're depressed about your Achilles? Yes, because it hasn't even been three months since the last flare-up. Okay. That sucks. Like, I feel like I'm going to be relegated to one of those people who can't run anymore. But you can. I, I, but can I? Like, if I can only get three months at a time, 
you might be in a scenario where you the year you get three months on three months off three months on which candidly is a, a lot better than we did last year it is but that, that and hold on hold on and the most exciting part about this jeremy is think about how many people are going to say wow you run really good for a big guy <laughs> i can't wait for people <laughs> but are, but you have talked. If you are sorry, then changing how you behave is the way to show that you're sorry, right? Okay. No, you can apologize profusely, and then do it all over again. Do yeah. <laughs> Ideally, that's what he would do. And then go into the corner and ah, I don't know why I do this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that he does know why he does that. I don't know. So you're depressed. Yeah. And I feel like, okay. And here's another thing. I always feel like a poser anytime I start doing anything new. Like so what? like if that's, if that's going to like a gym to start lifting weights, I feel like a poser because I'm not good at it and I don't know what I'm doing. So then people know that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I feel like I don't belong there. Like, this is what goes through my... I don't think you understand all the things that go through my mind. So, even if nobody's around, let's say, like, for me to start doing push-ups was a big deal. Because I was like, I've not... No, it's not, I'm not looking for applause. It's me sitting there and saying, all right, so if I, if I do these push-ups, that means I'm starting from scratch, which means I'm a noob, which means that I don't belong here doing this. This is like truly the things that so go through my mindset mind. Isn't like I don't like not being good at it. It's just I don't belong in my living room. Yes, this all stems from a lack of confidence. I'm only truly confident about one thing, and that's when I'm fit that I'm fast. Ah, I'm Shut probably. up! <laughs> Shut up! When I'm fit, I mean, I'm, when I'm fit, I'm I, I run pretty well when I get fit, right? Like I run you better mean than average. at a level of competency that you're you don't feel out of place. Yes, like people are like this guy probably knows what he's doing. Worst versus like, and probably I could say that about like my teaching. I think I'm a, a pretty okay teacher. Uh, I'm not gonna say I'm the best because I'm not the best. I know I'm not the best. I'll never claim to be the best at that, and I won't ever claim to be the best runner because I'm not. But like those two things, I'm pretty good at it. And college counseling. What? Do you see? Oh, you got it too. <laughs> it's not working anymore. <laughs> so why when you say two things, do you hold up four things? <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because two is better than four. This is just doubled. Why anyway. don't you hold it up like a baseball player? Um, so those two things, plus like I would say college counseling. So now we're at three. Um, gotta keep okay. it up. Does what about work? parenting? No, I know, I know I'm not great at parenting. Um, because I get frustrated. Okay. What's that have to do with being a bad parent? That I, like, I kick them in the shins a lot. Oftentimes I'll, like, throw them out of the house, like, physically. Um, Child Protective Services, please don't listen to this. <laughs> Mind you, before this podcast started, your son was saying you, was, you had biteable nipples and wanted to chew on your nipples. Yeah. And, I, you know, I kind of looked at it uh, as a positive on that one. As in, I wouldn't need nippies anymore because I'd have no nipples. What about tattooed nipples? Would you need nippies if you had tattooed nipples? I would venture to say no because they're just flat. I don't need, like, flat. I don't you know don't that I would get tattoos of nipples on my boobs. You would just go nipples. Interesting. I don't know. That would be a, that'd be a weird question because I would feel like, especially in, like, you a pool. 
Right. You feel out of place doing push-ups in the safety of your own home. Can you imagine walking around nippleless? That would be tough. Yeah, I would get them. I would get tattoos like the next day. As soon as as soon as I got like they cleared up and everything was like nice and and you know. Do you think animal nipples would be a way to go? <laughs> what? Can it cheat? Like a hang down? <laughs> Are there are is there any other animal in the animal kingdom that has nipples similar to male nipples? Are, Human like, male nipples. Monkeys? Like gorillas and stuff? I feel, I, I feel like though, even like those big ass orangutans have like the men even have like floppy nipples. I like you, right? <laughs> Don't have floppy nipples. Prove it. <laughs> so, so, Jeremy, how do we get you over this ridiculous phobia? So you not- start running before, and you feel comfortable starting running. Yes, because I know that it'll come. I, look, I know, I, know it's a par- I know it's a paradox. I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I know that, like, I am okay with going out and, like, running 10-minute miles when I'm starting, knowing that it'll come. It's no different than if I were to go to a gym and start lifting or do my push-ups here or do my sit-ups here or do my planks or whatever it is. I know it's no different because everything will come. But I don't know. I've, been, I've just been doing it much more consistently as a runner than I have anything else. Like, it's like I'm trying to reinvent myself when I do something new. And I don't know that I, like, that that title or that, like, newfound uh, identity doesn't sit well. But what? You don't have a new identity. Right. But it's scary to start something that you know that you haven't done before or that it's been a long time because, like, what if it doesn't come back? No, Brad. Wait, I Brad, you your vol your so your audio goes in and out, in and out. So what you just said, I didn't hear. And now you're frozen. I'm just looking at your big ugly face. Just stuck there. Are you there? Wait, I thought I saw something. Are you still at 1257, 1258, 1259? Oh, what in the world? Huh. Oh, I, can tell I don't you know. Now. I don't know. I Like, all of a sudden, I think when you were doing this, it signaled to my thing to cut off. <laughs> what? I, you do this, and it makes party streamers. That's pretty cool. What did we do? Is that the like? Man, we're learning all kinds of new stuff. Hi. I love you too. All right. Go. Is he looking for a nipple? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) The nipple biter. So what about trying new things? I mean, think about things that I have done that I haven't done in a long time, how hard it is for me to do that. Like a new thing, like going out and riding a bicycle, forget about it. Like there's no way. You have a bike. I do. I've got two bikes, actually. I've got, I've got a nice comfort bike that I use to go and tool around with our family when we go out tooling around with our family. And I've got uh-huh. a pretty sweet, sick, nasty mountain bike, which I really enjoy doing, but it's just, it's a lot of time commitment to go out and ride. Like we're talking, it's not just just an hour. It's like a four hour commitment to go out and ride a bike. So you do ride your bike. Occasionally, not often. Okay. What about fencing? I, I think I would be good at that because I fence my kids in my class with our foam swords. Yeah, pop them real good. I always win that one. I'm, we're taking family fencing lessons right now. Are you really? Huh. 
How's that going for you? I mean, it's safe to say I'm the best in the house, like, bar none. I'm basically, basically came right out of the gates. Dread Pirate Roberts from Princess Bride. <laughs> I'm, I'm more along the lines of Inigo Montoya, myself. Yeah, you're yes. good, but you're not as good as me. No, but I'm I'm him using the wrong hand, and you are the Dread Pirate Roberts using the wrong hand. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, why don't we be British? I don't want to be British. <laughs> so we, we walked in. Ne I've never even thought about fencing before. Stephanie got this for as a family gift to all of us to do a month of fencing lessons. That's awesome. And you're so just loving it. And so what would you do if, say, Katie got you fencing lessons? You'd be like, oh, well. Oh, dude, we would, as a family, we would go and rock it out. But there's no, there's but no new. commitment to that. There's like, there is no, I, there is no identity associated with that. Because I know I'm not going to be a fencer. I could so, become okay, a professional so your, your identity is weightlifting and running? No. Brad, stop trying to, look. You're not going to make this make sense. You're just not, because it doesn't make sense to me, even as I say it. I just know what I feel when I do it. Like, if we go, like, axe throwing, right? I love axe throwing. I'm actually quite good at it. Although I've only done it, I don't know, three times. I am. Like, every time we go with my friends, I'm always the one who comes out on top. Truly. And they get okay. so mad at me. They get so mad. And? I'm like, that's right, because I'm athletic. Get over it, dude. <laughs> I like even this body. There is a body under the flub that pretty good. I feel like this is the world's like mo most convoluted oxymoron. <laughs> I'm telling you, I know it doesn't make sense. I get it. I get it. But those things have so, but you've no shown effect. up. You've shown up to races before in terrible shape. Oh yeah, like our five k. Neither of us were in good shape. Yeah, yeah but you ran well. I ran. No, Brett. I'm sorry. Okay, in in the context of an average runner, yes, running 21 and a half minutes is good. But in it, where we are coming from, where we are probably striving for if we wanted to and we could stay maintain some kind of effort, you know, going 17 and a half, like at our age, I think that's not out of the question, right? We could possibly get to that fitness again if we could maintain some kind of like okay. semblance of, of like, what am I trying to say? So, but why is it okay to show up out of shape? You've shown up in way worse shape than 21 and a half minute before. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You've shown up to marathons woefully underprepared. Which, which, how do you know that? Did I, have I told you this? How'd the Marine Corps marathon go for you? The Marine Corps marathon did not go well. And it's true. I was, I think my long run for that race was 13 miles. Yeah. Um, got it done though. It was fun. I just did it with friends. It was Somebody there was had no... to pick you up off the ground. That's because that's because I cramped, not because I fell. Because I was dying from like exhaustion. I was cramping up. No, it, it was actual physical exhaustion that caused you to cramp. Your legs were not prepared to run twenty six point two miles. But I no, and I fell over at mile twenty three. And this big burly like marine, he comes up. Are you okay? Like, I don't know. <laughs> he picked me, he truly picked me off the ground and placed me down. Um, he was probably 6'4", 270 pounds, like just a monster of a dude. And and I was like, he was like, are you okay now? I'm like, I don't know. Um, I was like, but I'll, I'll find out. And I started trudging along. I, I think I dropped down to like 10, 10 20 miles. Uh -huh. um, my friend who was running with me, we were like side by side when I fell over. I left him high and dry. Like, he couldn't keep up with the 10, 20 mile. <laughs> wow. But that wow. was a fun race. Like, I don't know, Brad. Yes, have I done things that I wasn't fit? Yes. So what you're trying to tell me, you're trying to get into my head.
to make well, me I'm realize. Well, I'm trying to tell you that your identity isn't like a good runner. It's just on some capacity that you're a runner. And you have enough like belief in yourself that, okay, well, like I didn't run well today, but I'm capable of running X, Y, Z. So if somebody came up to you and they said, oh, you like great job finishing the marathon in four and a half hours, you would you would probably interrupt them and go, whoa, 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 whoa. I've run a 315 before. Yes. And I can do it again. I'm just woefully underprepared. I'm just, and this would be a very long conversation at the end of a race. They're like, it would be. great job on the 430. That's amazing for a big guy like you. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Wait, first, who are you calling big guy? Number two, eh, eh. It was yeah. two and a half years ago. Oh, <laughs> it was no less than two and a half years ago. I ran a 315 while blocking the wind with one energy gel. So, boom. Yeah, and having to stop to urinate and walking for part of that as well. I have never done a marathon, Brad, where I haven't walked. And so you feel like there's this viable excuse built in because you've done this before. And yes. you feel 100% confident you can get back there. Yes. But that's not the same feeling with lifting weights? No, because I never really lifted weights. Are you embarrassed to be a poser? Yes. Unless it's something that's like so outlandish that like if you took axe throwing serious, you'd just be an absolute loser. No, I would become a freaking monster at axe throwing because I'm already like decent at it. Like true. Like there are things that you can that Brett, I'm sorry. I'm just a phenomenal so axe you're, thrower you're for supposed to be an axe thrower? Maybe. It's like your forearm to buy to <laughs> I think it's my forearm shoulder. Ratio the fact, is perfect the, for the fact that my shoulder has limited, like, my shoulder has always had limited, like, flexibility and range. Like, it just doesn't work as well as, like, it. this one can go all over the place. This one cannot. Um, I think it's, it keeps it, like, locked into, like, wow. <laughs> So, but like truly, so our friend, actually, we were at their house. We went axe throwing with them. I don't know. It was last year. Like, I don't know. Who are you and he was like, at? who's over there? Who, me? Yeah. Who's over there? Like over there? I don't know. I was yeah, looking over at look. Katie because we're talking about our friend, but we went axe throwing. So you need Katie's engagement to reassure you that? I need reassurance, Brad. So listen, anyway, so I'm throwing it and I'm just crushing and he, he's like, have you done this before? I'm like, no, dude, this is my first time. He's like, oh, oh. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. So if you went to the gym and somebody said, wow, you bench press a lot, and you'd be like, I haven't been at the gym in three years. Yeah, but they would never say that to me because I don't. <laughs> You're undiagnosable. Like... <laughs> Like, can I throw up one plate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 135 pounds? 135. I just, like, I can just crush that bad boy out. Can I throw up 155 pounds? Fewer times, but I can do it. Um, I went to our gym, and Katie was there, and I feel really uncomfortable when people are around. I think that's the thing. I think that's part of it. Like, if people are there, and I know that they probably don't even care anything about me, but if they can see me and I struggle at all and I'm not doing what I think I need to be doing, then I feel, like, embarrassed. So you don't want to be a sweat. What the fuck is a sweat? A tryhard. I guess, but I don't, like, I, it's not about me, like, them seeing me trying hard. I, I think, I, like, it... But you're willing to try hard at running because you know of a level of competency. Yes. That you will not be embarrassed pretty much under any scenario. Like if if I if somebody embarrasses me at a race, they're like, all right, give me eight months and we'll race again and we'll let's see where we go from there. Right. And in axe throwing, you don't take it seriously, so you're not a tryhard. Like you're not the guy that's winging axes and 
and you're like, well, like I've been working on this for years. No. Yeah. Cause I can just, I truly, I think I'm, you know, like just dead aim. And so the then when you go to the gym, you're concerned that like, it looks like you're going to be putting in a lot of effort into it to what somebody would consider like not a big amount. Brad, we're both 200 pounds. We look like we should be able to throw around some weight. And we get under the bench and we're struggling with 140, let's say, to put it up 10 times. You're like, oh, that last like three of them, that wasn't easy. Okay. That's embarrassing. And so you're embarrassed of being a tryhard. No, I'm embarrassed of looking like I, I'm a, like a, I don't know. I know that weekly. you're really working hard to get a 140 pounds and they, somebody would say behind your back. Look, look at yeah. that. Big. Hey, he, you know where, I, where we get the compliment though? You ran well for a big guy. They're like, you're real weak for a big guy is what I would get at the gym. So do you thrive off of people's like engagement with you? Not at all. I would rather they don't know me. I would, so I think I would be more content to have a gym all by myself and yeah, be you're out the rock. there. You're the I rock. This rock. And I can like do what I need to do and I can crush what I need to crush or not crush. Right. I think somebody seeing me fail is like my biggest thing. If that but you makes fail sense. at running all the time. But they don't know that I'm failing at running. Well, they don't know that you're failing at the gym either. I were I do you not put like your workouts on your t-shirts so you just look down? No, I just, just fully expect that when they come up and I'm like I'm like that uh TikTok video of the guy that like at Lowe's with the box. On the scissor lift? Yeah, yeah. Andrew. Ha! When they come over and it's 135 pounds and they're like, all right, damn, dude, sorry. I didn't know that you actually needed help. And they pull it up and then I proceed to like sit up at the end of the bench and I'll be like, just so you know, this was my 18th set. Until failure and you just happen to catch me at failure. And he's like, I'm okay, pretty you, sure that I saw you, like, you literally just put these on here. <laughs> but that's you, Brad. That's who you are as a person. That's who you've always been. You have, like, an infinite amount of just, it's not ego, of courage. You put yourself out there. I'm not You're expecting that. You have confidence. You're yes. a confident dude. Yeah. 100%. And you know that I'm not. But, like, but the thing is that you're confident in some aspects of life, like running. And my job, yes. And I, I just... So when I first got into the upper school, so my high school, when I first got there, I felt like such the biggest poser. I wouldn't say anything in meetings. I tried to make myself as invisible as possible. Like, I just did not want my anybody to look at me and know that I was a fake. And okay. now that I've got... Five, this is my going to be my fifth year doing it. Fourth year at my high school doing it. Like, I, I have a rhythm and a routine now, and I know that I do a good job, and I have that stuff, so I'm not afraid to, like, speak up. What if you move to a new school, though? I've been teaching for, that'll be, I've been, like, my 12 years. I think I'm, like, pretty competent now to do what I know, I, but what if you go to a new school, you don't know a single person there. I, you're right. But doing what I, so at my school, we have to create our own curriculum, do all of our own assessments, like do all that stuff, which is really challenging. And I think by doing that, I've found that I have taught myself so much more and learned so much more about the profession. So I would feel a lot more confident because of all that. That's why I felt out of place because I didn't feel like I was there yet, but now I do. So if I were to go to another, another school, I feel like I've got the tools that are required to be able to speak up. Does this have something to do with how you view others? That they're better than me? No, yes. that like, so somebody new comes in the school, they don't know shit all about teaching. Okay. And they sit there in every meeting and think that they have every answer. And so you're looking at this person thinking like, you have no experience 
You have I no idea what you're talking about. I don't think experience matters. Okay. But for me, it does. So, but I'm saying this new person comes in, they think they know everything, and everything that they're saying you already know is wrong. Oh, I would, yeah, that, I mean, I don't know how I would handle that. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't throw them under the bus. I wouldn't call them but out. But you would me. look at them and think, like, this guy has no self-awareness whatsoever. Like, yeah. or this, this person has no self-awareness. Yeah. And you would feel some level of embarrassment for that person. Like, this guy can't see the forest through the tree, or this person can't see the forest through the trees. Everything they're saying, it, like, the whole room is essentially laughing at this person. Yeah, I always feel bad for them. But is I, that what you're scared of? Like, that of you don't want to be the person with no self-awareness? Possibly, yeah. I don't want to say something that would embarrass myself. Or to show that I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. So when you watch, like, uh, I don't know, people talk like and it's all over the internet people are interviewing whether it's trump supporters or biden supporters or whoever and they have this absolute lack of self-awareness of like a level of hypocrisy of like just an inability to see anything other than that that they are right when they're actually wrong yeah so i don't think that they necessarily i so i have a better view of those people. I don't think that they necessarily don't know that they're being hypocritical. I think that they have given so much to the cause that for them to back off would be like uh, a defeat in and of itself. So they know it's not that they don't know. You see these people with like some lack of self-awareness and you're just like, I don't ever want to be that person. Yeah. Like in anything in life. And so I walk into axe throwing something that I've never been never done before but i have enough self-awareness that i'm not good and then when i am good then it's just like it's a win-win yeah but i always do i'm that person who like always wants to listen to all the directions as it as they're being told so i know exactly what i should i don't want to do like a faux pas and do something i shouldn't be doing when i shouldn't be doing it so like i'm very much a rule follower in that regard too so i wouldn't be i wouldn't go in and just like Somebody would hand me an axe and I'd be like, okay, sweet. Just start throwing it. I would like, I would just, I would, I want to know what I'm supposed to be doing. Huh. Okay. I think I have a better understanding of this. It still baffles me. <laughs> so Look, you're, lear- you're learning something about me every like new we've known each other for 25 years now. So are you a pessimist by trade? I I would call myself a realist. Okay. I, okay. I, I I'm not not optimistic. I like I do look forward to things and I do think good things can happen. But I I would say that like I'm not. But not like, what are about what are you predisposed to? What are you predisposed to? Like, if it's just like a quick gut reaction. So, like, a realist really isn't. Like you're trying to hedge your bet halfway in between, but at yeah. some point you like get in there and you have a just a gut reaction like that. Uh, I'm, that I'm that def- isn't going to happen. I'm I'm definitely more of a pessimist then. Okay, I, I have to work toward the optimism part, which is just you trying to find a way rationalize into like I, getting halfway at least, there. At least doing the thing that I'm like pessimistic about, so that way there's a possibility that something can happen. Oh, um, yeah. This is like, uh, I don't know why I find this so interesting, mainly because it is so drastically different than who I am as a person. I know. I think that's like, why we get along fine. Literal, literal polar opposite that you tell me, like, uh, we're doing fencing lessons. And the very first thought that I have with no lie and no exaggeration is, like, I wonder if I'm just, like, God's gift to fencing, and this might be my ticket to the Olympics. <laughs> but it's not, you're not even being hyper, hyperbolic about it. What do you mean? Like, you like you truly think that you may so find... 100%. Like, I think... you do. I think there's a, like, if 
I really want to try curling because I feel like I may be just a savant, a curling savant. I would pay money to watch you curl. So it all like so most anything new, it's such a wide open world of possibilities that I immediately skew towards like the limitless end of it. That this may be just something that I don't even know that one I'm gonna love, and two. I'll probably love it extra because I'm fucking amazing at it. So this might just blow your mind a little bit too. Like I wouldn't, so curling, I think I, I think I would actually be quite the good sweeper. <laughs> <laughs> like the, not the person who has to do like the, right. I know super like, yeah, but like the person who has to like, have such good it up or slow it down and yep. speed and that, but I can just sweep the shit out of it. You just tell me when to stop sweeping. I don't want because you have those people like stop. I'm like okay, I got, I'm done. But I'm just like your intro to the Brigadi Bro Buffs. Yeah, those like frenetic, crazy types of mo- movements where you just go super hard for a very short period of time. I think I could probably do okay at. So, but you don't feel like that about everything. No, um, I feel like I'm always like a step behind in a lot of things. Like even again, like I like intellect. I, I look at everybody. I'm like, this person is definitely smarter than me just based on what they look like. Okay. Um, so, but would just... that be changed through just having like more perspective? And so you would think. You know, like when you, when I talk, when I hear about intellect and I think, and somebody tells me, well, they, th- they know they're not the smartest person in the room. Yeah. I always ask, well, what's the smartest person in the room? And inevitably in every business meeting that I'm ever involved with, you can pick out the smartest person in the room the, out, out of everybody. It's the easiest. So the smartest person in the room is the person asking the most questions. Fair enough. And so I don't do what, enough of that. One one hundred percent. The per the like the least apt, like the least confident people are the ones that don't want to ask a question because they think it's then gonna like open Pandora's box of this person. Just the reason they're asking something is because they don't know anything. So maybe I'm not smart. See, you just clarified some things for me. So I will never ask a question again. I'm not even going to ask what you had for dinner so, because then I don't. So, but that means that I, I don't. I think un- when you find then that the smartest person in the room is asking the most tedious questions because you need to clarify things to get a full understanding. So that like the 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 best business people that I work with are ask, asking like, well, you say gross revenues, define that. Like, and then the, the person will give a generic definition of gross revenues and they'll go, I, I get that. But in the sense of this contract, is it is it after taxes? Is it pre-tax? You know, like you're just giving me it's a, a plus minus equation. I need to know everything that goes into that. You can define gross revenues, you know, like almost an infinite number of weights. It's almost a meaningless uh, definition without somebody actually defining it. Fair enough. I find that people who ask questions often already know the answer. They just want, again, they want clarification, maybe for those people who don't know the clear answer. I personally have never seen that. I think what, like what you're describing is the reason you wouldn't ask a question because you're afraid you're going to be a poser. Like, oh, did you mean, did you mean this? And then the person calls you on the carpet and they're like, no, I did not that's, mean that. That's actually the exact opposite <laughs> of what I meant. I don't understand what that question you're asking. Yeah. So I think uh, I think poser is probably what I should get tattooed across my belly. You know, like thug life. I'm going to be poser life. So how do you wrap this entire thing into running? Because you're confident in running. You're... Because I've found success there in the past. Right. And you're competent in running. Yeah. So, do you have to be confident in running to run well? I think so. I think 
you have to be a to look at yourself and say, I know that I can do this and I can do it. And like running is well, not. But easy. what gives you that confidence? Like confidence in running is built through the repetition of doing all of these small things. It's not just showing up out of shape and saying, well, I think I can do this. You know, that's physically not possible. Right. So confidence comes through these stepping stones. But the stepping stones have happened. Maybe they haven't happened recently, but they've happened in the past. So, like, I have the experience. I just don't have the fitness at the time. So the experience well, of hurting, the experience of pushing through, like... What about when you started times. running, though? It just came naturally. So you, you need something just like axe running or axe throwing, not axe running. I axe guess I do. I just need something like, that I... Show up. You have no preconceived idea of what it is. You show up and you're immediately patted on the back and they go, wow. Not that I was patted on the back at all. Like my first couple, like my first season, like it wasn't that I was like a standout. I, I didn't start running. But until you my found team. success relatively quick. Yeah. Like I won my first, I won my first 500 meter race. It wasn't fast. Okay. It was against the, I mean, it was a minute and 15 seconds. Like, so it was a slow, slow, slow time. So 60 and then 15. 60 so, seconds. Yeah. Yeah. But we went against a team that didn't have many people on it. So I get I, I, I wonder what would have happened if you went in in your first races, you just had the door like got blown out of the gym. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like you need the affirmation of showing up. And like some level of immediate success that you buy into it and you go like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I probably, that's probably right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it would take a psychiatrist or a psychologist to like really dive into like the purpose or meaning behind all of that. Um, it would probably take a couple of sessions at least to kind of like parse, parse our way through it. But um, I don't know. There's a lot going on back there, I think. So, like, when we were in college running, do you ever, would you ever fantasize about, like, winning races? Like, this no. might be my weekend? No. <laughs> no? No. Dude, I just knew, like, like, first, I didn't do the work in college. I Yeah, but I never did the work either, and I still, like, would daydream and be like, this could be the week. <laughs> See, that's, that's your optimistic part. And that's me being a pessimist. Like that's like that's just it. Like I, if I first I didn't do the work. Second, there was nothing to indicate that I would go and win anything. I did win a heat in the eight hundred one time. It was I, we were in the slow heat, the first heat at Clemson. And actually, I got like coach was really. What, no, we drove separately there. We didn't go for whatever reason. Maybe I had like a test or something. Anyway. Um, I won the heat and I was like, Hey, that's the first <laughs> in college. Wow. Anyway, the first and only, um, what, what's your timer say on there on your end? 4325. This is like one. We had barely an agenda of what to talk about. And it surely wasn't Jeremy's psyche. No. So, but this has been, like, this has been one of my favorite episodes. I, I find it, like, I find uh, the psyche in sports, uh, like, it, absolutely fascinating. And then also in life, where you see, like, what when I consider what I consider posers, I think is something completely different than you. And it is a lack of self a lack of self-awareness, but it's a lack of self-awareness of how you got from point A to like whatever that point Z is at that time. Like, and candidly, point Z probably never comes. Yeah. Or you never want it to come because that means it's the end of the road. So, but it, like, I find like posers uh, to be people that think, oh, like I've done everything to get here. And I don't understand why other people can't achieve the level of success that I've had or anything else. And they take into account, like the best analogy that I can, can use is, I guess there's two analogies that have you ever seen these golf ball drops at like a, I know you don't 
golf that much but there's like these things they bring in a little helicopter and they have a bucket full of golf balls everybody gets a like to put their name on a golf ball and they just dump those golf balls out over a green and who's ever golf ball lands in the hole is the winner like they win some big prize huh so and to me posers are the people that like this whole thing is just dumped which is a hundred percent luck like oh for sure they didn't put the ball in there. They had nothing to do with it, about anything. They dump it over, and their ball trickles in. And they go, well, that's because I'm perfectly round. Like, I did – I managed everything perfectly on my end to ensure my success of rolling in the hole. So, in the, And then that discredits everybody else that it was just blind luck. Like, they had nothing to do with this system. See, I have a complete different definition of poser. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's the person who shows up and doesn't know what they're supposed to be doing, or uh, tries to look the part but has no like history with whatever it is. It's that person who goes out, goes to the running shop, spends three thousand dollars on running apparel, and gets like the latest greatest. Shows up to a race and just has no etiquette, no anything, and they're posing as a runner. Like they don't. It's not that they aren't a runner because but, they're running. But I think that's the same thing. It's a complete lack of self-awareness. Yes, that's the self-awareness, it, but not like the person. They don't think that they are owed anything because of what they ha- it's, they, they haven't done anything yet. I think y'all should sort of beef with like another channel slash podcast and like kind of outrank them. Hey, we outrank all of them. No, you don't. All the Brigady Bro Bobs, we outrank them. I think we're saying the same thing about like what a poser is. And I'm, I think the re like, so you worked in retail in particular running retail before Uh and you worked in bicycle retail Uh and in bicycle retail, like who is the fucking worst person to come in a store? The person who like has, I don't know. I don't know. There's just, there's a rich person. That thinks that they can buy their way to writing really well. Yes. But I also think it's the. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I had an idea, but it went away. So I'm going to agree with you right now. (laughs) And, And so then when you worked in the bike shop, then you would like as soon as that person leaves, the entire store erupts. Like, can you believe this guy? Yeah, we had like there's just a person who has like seven bikes and always is looking for the next like best well, thing to get them to the next the level. Yeah, and yeah. it's running like in a running retail without ever having worked there. I assume it's the exact same thing. It's the person that comes in that just started running. They're training yeah. for their first marathon. It's their first race they've ever done, and they're giving you training advice. Yes, and they're like. I heard that these really are necessary. You know, when when I was researching training plans, like that's just not a good idea. Yep, yep. And I had pe- yes, exactly. And that people who refuse leaves. to listen, they just yep. refuse to listen to any advice whatsoever. Like this. Oh no, that's not right. And it and same so- thing goes with like college counseling stuff, like with parents. Like they come in and they're looking at the college experience as it was twenty five years ago. And right. the, and the whole like the everything is different, right? Everything is different. And I'm like, look, this is what we're seeing now. No, no, that's not like that's just not okay. You're right. You're good. <laughs> so you, I I think because you've spent time like quote unquote behind the scenes, like there's not many people that work in running retail in the grand scheme of things. No, not many at all. And so I think because you've been behind the scenes and like collectively we're probably prone to like being overly harsh on those people and making them like back you know like there was no memes back in the day but we would essentially make these people a meme like and so if you remember when we were running college if somebody old what we considered old which was probably us that would come up and talk about like they're running you'd be like dude leave me alone like it's obvious you're not as good as me. Just, yeah. like, I have no but interest in talking to you. It's the guys who come up as, like, they're, like, 70 years old. Oh, back in the day, I was running 10 twos in the 100. No, you weren't. Like, no, you weren't. 
So every you, old guy, are you just terrified of being that person that you leave something and people are laughing at you? That's a good question. I don't know that I like. I'm. I don't care if they laugh at me. If I if I am oblivious to it, I don't really care what they think about me when I'm not but, there. But you don't want to go in and try to be good at something and have somebody laugh behind your back. Yeah, it would be it would be the the laughing at me to my face as it's happening, or I see the snickering or the talking behind my back, or I have to have a continued encounter with them at a later date, like where like. Oh right, right, yeah. I could. Katie's like saying I'm 43 and I get to... <laughs> Whatever. It, 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 are you kidding me? It does happen. It happens to be well, I, I In fairness, I think if you walked into a running shop knowing nothing and started talking tra like garbage about trading, that it doesn't matter at 43, they're going to laugh at you. Yeah. Truly. Hey, what? Come, come here and talk. You can come. Some people have time for that shit in their forties. <laughs> I talk shit about people. <laughs> That's uh, Brad talks shit about people. I'm sure as soon as we get done with this, he's gonna go and tell Steph about this nonsense and say, "Look at here. Look at what Jeremy has to say." I don't talk shit about anybody. <laughs> well, I I wonder. I want like so if what. Picture this world in, from a running scenario. If you grew up in the environment that I grew up in, where now your self-confidence and your optimism was on the same level as me. Yeah. Do you well, think you'd be a better runner? No. <laughs> Seriously? I don't think I'd be a better runner. Because it's not about the confidence. It's about like who I am. Like, I like to eat junk food just like you do. I, I get it, but I'm saying if you had this, like, so what I think being overly optimistic, like, thinking that you're, you could be significantly better than you are if the weather's right, if you have the right pair of shoes on, if you've done the training, etc. It gives you this, this bigger window to be able to perform it. That when you I, look at that you look down at your watch and you go, holy sh like that's the fastest mile I've ever run. Then you don't just blow up that you say, okay, like this is the day that I've been dreaming of. See, that's where we differ. Like that's, that's you saying, Oh, today's the day I look and I'm like, Oh shit. Today's the day that I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, well, so I understand that that's like the drastic difference. So it comes back to the question. Could you have, could you have been in college and could you now be a better runner? Like yeah. how different of a runner do you think that you would be? I think a vastly different runner because I would look at everything as a, an opportunity to like spread my wings a little bit more, or gain experience or like have fun or whatever it may be, whatever it may be versus me where I look at everything as a, as like, well, today didn't go well. That means I'm not going to race well or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. I think, and I think mentality has a, big plays a big role in like performance um so if i was more optimistic yeah i think i could have been a better runner and i could be a better runner maybe i need to get hypnotized i i honest to god was about to say the exact same thing oh really yeah do you know a good it's, hypnotist so uh i was listening to a sports uh a sports psychiatrist today who does hypnotization for athletes. Yeah. And uh, he surmised this. So what, have you ever been hypnotized before? Like at one of those, like a comedy club? So I think I have like when I, when, when I understand and I like, cause we, I got called up at a comedy club and I got asked to leave. But I, like, from what I remember, like, you kind of remember what happens when you're under to a degree, but it's not like, yes, I remember it, but then they called me off. So I don't know if I truly was, or if it was like me, like playing games with myself. I don't know, but I would say yes, but I didn't go through with anything that happened thereafter. If okay. that makes sense. And so, so I have been hypnotized before and I had always described it 
that uh, like you sit up there, they they call up and then they kind of turn out the lights and they they play some background music so that everybody in the audience can't hear what's being said to those being hypnotized. Yeah. And I don't remember like any of the countdown, but I remember the entire show. And so the entire show, it wasn't that I didn't know what was going on and it wasn't like an out of body experience. It was that it just like removed all the barriers that, like from a mental perspective that would tell you like you're acting like an idiot. So, and you know, like what this hypnotist on, on a podcast was saying was he said it's like, it's essentially like being in a dream state where like you're getting all of your brain waves to move at the same frequency. And so like whatever brain wave it is that would say like, you're an idiot, don't do this or anything like that. All that, like you're susceptible to the power of suggestion. You're susceptible to like uh, just going with the flow and whatever's happening. So it, in my instance, he hypnotized us and we were like on a Maury Povich show, essentially. And we had been like, we were re in a trailer park and had been abducted by aliens. <laughs> and, and, right. and when I went up there, when I was selected to go up, I was like, I was quite embarrassed to go up. But what it did then is like, it made me like, I, I was literally like Elliot, just like going and grabbing the microphone. Like I wasn't done talking yet. And, and it was like, it was like being in this, in a present and non-intoxicated version of being drunk where like, it, like it makes you feel like, like anything goes. Yeah. Huh. And so, and so what this psychologist was saying, he was saying like, it's not a one-time fix, but it's allowing you slowly and slowly to reduce all the barriers that are prohibiting you from doing these things. So, like, that's the power of suggestion through hypnotism, according to this person. I, like, talk about a poser. I have, I have no idea other than the fact that I... Well, you been, said it with confidence, Bradford. Bradford. Yeah, you 100%. With, yeah. And so... I, let's go get you hypnotized. Talk let's about go. an episode, dude. That would be an episode, Bradford. That would be quite the episode. Huh. Well, look, we've gone all this way. Can you just tell us about your running this week? <laughs> yeah, I, I ran on... I think I've only run one day this week. I did like one on, one off on the treadmill. I felt felt amazing this is a recovery week for me you really put that to the heart to the heart buddy <laughs> i did yeah and so i've taken this to the nth degree you know i've traveled a bunch this week i'm still in vegas now i wanted to do well despite the fact that i played absolutely like trash this weekend in a golf tournament and uh yeah i, I don't feel bad about it so I think next week my legs are just going to feel awesome. And I know like I, I, I penciled down my training plan. And so I have penciled like this was a scheduled rest week for me. Yeah. And then basically what I do is I do a three week build. So at, at the end of three weeks, like I think, I think the third week is just awful of it. If you're actually building yeah. I think it's just the most difficult in particular because you're typically ending the week with the longest run that you've done during yep. that time frame. And then I drop it down just a tiny bit after the rest week. So the rest week, then, you know, like I cut it down significantly. Then after the rest week, I do a smaller build to get back up to overreaching right. from the from the three week period before. So I, I feel like I'm still golden. Like I feel great. I think that you're going to have a good week coming up. I, I I think I'm gonna try tomorrow to go for a run if my Achilles isn't like we'll see we'll see a 20 minute super duper easy wearing like nothing crazy shoes just go out there and have a little fun and just run oh if if I could give somebody advice you take a week off like I've just taken where you've just barely run it all and then you jump back into then a three week build or whatever build you have in front of you. Don't go just hog wild in week one. 
So understand that you have three weeks of building. So like the first workout doesn't have to be your, like you don't have to just blow out every gasket and right. prove that, okay, well, that week off didn't impact me. Like this week in the grand scheme of this uh, half marathon and marathon training essentially means nothing. And I, in the long term, you probably gain more through doing less, you know, like in these I, times. So I should be really good to go. Then. <laughs> For a month plus now, I have been I doing mean, less. I mean, I did do a fair amount of training before this rest week. <laughs> I know you did. And uh, I think that I, I was quite aggressive for the four weeks predating this. Yeah. That this probably just, I'm not sure that my body told me that I needed it, but it, it what, there was no penalty to going overboard in the rest week. Yeah. So you think you're, so your last week, what, you were like 31, 32 miles or something along those lines. So are you going to like bear it back to like 27, 28 to start and then like Probably. build up from there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the important part when you're coming back in particular from not running for a week is that like that first workout or the first run that you do, you don't just say, well, like I, my legs feel amazing and I'm going to go out and run a PR. Right. And or then you're like, and then the you're sore, your... sore for three days. You strain yeah. something, you know, like, <clears throat> There's a point in particular through the build that the most important day is the next day is getting to the next day and being able to perform something. So, yep. you know, like you, you have to have some, uh, uh, yeah, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. You have to have like some, you can't just go balls to the wall ever, as soon out of the gate. No. So like, I always find that when I'm coming back, I'll go out for an easy run. They're like, Oh, I'm feeling really good. So then I always like crank down the last mile and it doesn't yeah. benefit. There's no benefit to it. I'm like, like, what's the purpose of that fast mile? Nothing whatsoever, except for possibly getting myself hurt, which is obviously I'm prone to anyway. So, um, yeah. And then you're going to be more tired the next day. Like it's in particular when it's not a workout, like you have to recognize that that's just silly. That's right. You gotta stop moving it. It just like that was almost that was almost like perfect timing. Well, Jeremy, Bradford, we, this dove, was, we, we dove deep into the psyche of Jeremy Cloak. I think we needed, and we kind of understand who you are. I don't know that I could get very deep in your psyche. I think we just know that you're a, a crazy confident optimist. Who looks at every opportunity as a as a possibility to to find their new savantness? Savantness, yeah. I don't know that's a word. And I'm sure all of this is a product of like you would need somebody smarter than us, but I'm sure all of this is a product of like environment that you grew up in, and then sets of circumstances that reinforce, you know, like either moving in your direction or moving in my direction. Yeah. So if you look over the, you know, like very first professional job I ever have, I get fired. And, uh, and part of that, that firing was, was a severance. So they gave me a severance check that then I bought Stephanie's wedding or engagement ring with that severance check. And on my drive home from getting fired, I get a phone call from a, a bigger company that said, Hey, we heard you just got let go. We'd like you to work with us. You know, like, Every time that it seems like a bad step in my life, there's been like something good just basically on the tail right end of it. That it's, that it's not even like I have time to be like, I've been screwed, you know, like nothing's ever going to work out in my way. You know, like I've just never had that. Like it's been a product of circumstances that then reinforces enthusiasm, reinforces optimism, reinforces like just candidly who who I already was. I, I find myself to be like uh, a victim of self-sabotaging often, like where things are going. Sometimes I feel too well. And then I like, not that I like actively look to do something bad, but like I look for the, the negative in it and just wait for the other shoe to drop. Um, so like nothing can last very long. Um, or I, like I, I find that I'm like mentally figuring things to like make it not seem as good as it possibly could be. Um that's kind of how I am. Oh, I'm, so is I'm that like focusing on the negative versus focusing on the positive? And I, again, so, like the same I'm thing done... is optimism and pessimism. Yeah. Like my, well, but you know, I mean, 
like I've done some really stupid things in the past and it was just because I don't know why, like it was just self-sabotage. Like I just didn't feel maybe possibly like, again, I would have to get into it with going to a psychologist, but like maybe I felt like I didn't deserve where I was or didn't get what I needed or whatever it may be. I don't know. But anyway, it's, it, you're right. There's just a whole lot to, to unpack. I think I would benefit from going to a psychologist. I, I, I am, am gonna going start, to, I'm going to no. look up and see if we can get a hypnotist to come on the, on and do this through the podcast. Huh? I wonder if that would work. And do both of us get hypnotized? I think he would. I know. Like, I would love to go through hypnotism. I'm not sure what aspect of my life I would, I actually know what I'd like to work on. So, but I think like the benefit we focused this entire piece on you. I'm already overly optimistic about running my abilities, what could be, etc. cetera. And That's why you're my first round draft pick last week, man. Because 100%, yeah. 156 is on the cards, man. And so I feel like we need to title this the Jeremy Project and just bring in just specialists after like expert. <laughs> we got Tony Robbins coming on, just like yeah. you're walking coals, fire coals, and dude, all of it. That'll be that'll yes. be quite the series, Brad. Fixing special, Jeremy. Special series. Fixing Jeremy. This could be big. Could be real this big. could be the biggest thing we've ever done. <laughs> it probably won't be, but maybe. <laughs> Let's go. All right, buddy. Yay. Hey, hey, Jeremy. Like a, a <laughs> this is a good one, Jeremy. It was a good one. Thanks for doing it, man. I can already see the... Uh, the piece it's going to be your face with like your head coming off and us diving into the your <laughs> your head that'll be a wonderful thumbnail <laughs> all right bud hey hey love you love bud. you love you <laughs> see, see you, you bud. <laughs>